Well, good morning. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church, and it's so good uh, to be with you, to see you, hopefully uh, online. Um, you are gathered with us this morning. I'm going to reach over and grab my Bible and notes. You can turn, as you hear my voice at least, to Ephesians chapter 6, where we are going to continue in our study of that book. And we're nearing the end of Ephesians. Um, some of you who have been with us for uh, quite a while now know that we have been working our way through uh, this letter um, from Paul to the church in Ephesus for, uh, for quite a while. Uh, and so uh, we are now nearing uh, the completion. Um, we, we will see, uh, but it, I expect that we will uh, wrap it up next week as we close out um, chapter 6. But we received this, um, we finished last week. In the very first few verses of chapter 6, we finished um, hearing from Paul these instructions on how we are to live our life in Christ. So as just a very brief recap, the first three chapters of Ephesians really speak most prominently to who we are because of our union with Christ and the new life that he has come to give us, the fact that we were sinners uh, due God's wrath. And yet, because of God's love for us, Jesus came, laid down his life, and we have been raised to new life in him. And so out of that, Paul began in chapter 5 giving us these instructions on how we're to live as the church, as this new body that we are called to, or we're kind of, as we're raised to life personally, we're uh, joined together with one another into this new body called the church. And then the church is supposed to live out um, daily life, interactions in a, a different way, um, ways that look completely radical to the world. And he doesn't just speak on superficial things or the things that uh, we might put out on social media or through just some transient relationships. No, he goes to the deepest part, which sort of shows and in, in, in essence teaches us the depth of the change. It, it's not just some high level change that we just sort of change our outside look, which is sadly so often what happens in our world. Sometimes uh, the world calls Christians hypocrites because they think that it's our outside world that we're only concerned about or that we only bother to to deal with. But Paul says, no, the very heart of who we are, the most intimate relationships that we have, those relationships that um, are, are closest to us are completely transformed by the work of Christ, by what he has done. Husbands and wives now interact differently. Children and parents interact differently. Employers, employees, we interact differently. All of those things. And so because of who Christ is, we live differently. We live a new life and it's a beautiful thing. It is something that is supernatural. And it's only accomplished by Christ, by what he has done. And what he works in us. Here's the amazing thing. Yes, sometimes, and we're going to get to the reason for this in just a moment, we stumble and fall Again, the world looks at us sometimes and says, oh, you don't really know what you're doing. And what they don't realize is that, no, we don't. That's our first confession, that we are worthless and helpless without Christ. But because of Christ, we are walking miracles. Miracles of God. People who have been raised to new life. But if you're like me, I don't often feel like a miracle not sure which movie I heard this in, but it made me laugh out loud, and it describes how I feel sometimes. I feel like a busted can of biscuits. Well, let's remember 
Paul's prayer. If that's you, if you find yourself saying, I don't really feel like a miracle. I don't feel like I've got this new life. All I see is struggle around me. All I see is frustration, hardship. Well, Ephesians chapter 3, at the end of that section that I just described, where Paul is reminding us of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf, he closed that section with this prayer from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and following. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do all those things, to do far abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That is Paul's prayer for us, for the church in Ephesus, and by extension for those of us who are in Christ today and read this letter. He is saying to us, I know that you are not going to be able to do this on your own. And so he prays, he bows his knees before the Father, and he asks that we may be granted with strength, with power through his spirit, through Christ's spirit at work in us. See, as he closes this letter out, Paul has given us on these instructions on how we're to live, and he knows how is that going to happen. He knows how it will be made possible. We live our life in Christ, and from Christ is where we gain our strength. So, as I mentioned, when I often do feel like that busted can of biscuits, I can lean on him. You know, I've been recently trying to work on looking less like the can of biscuits and a little bit more, I don't know, I won't say like myself, but like I would hope to look. And a few of us, there's a few guys and I'm friends with, and we have taken up this challenge to do 100 push-ups every day. 100 push-ups. For many of you, that sounds like nothing. You're like, I could do that right now. But let me tell you what will remind you of how weak you are physically, beyond all of the interactions that we have that we stumble and fall and hurt ourselves. But laying with your face in the carpet, unable to push up, and just your brain saying, go, go, and nothing happening. You're reminded of how weak you are in that moment as you smell the crushed Cheerios that have been there for months, if not years, on end. So where do we get the strength when we feel weak? Maybe not just physically weak, as I described, but where, when we feel spiritually weak, when we feel unable to deal with whatever the world might bring to us, when we're called and we know, based on what we've already heard, that we're supposed to live this way as a husband or a wife or this way as a child or a parent or this way, how do we accomplish that? Paul doesn't just pray for us. He tells us, he gives us instructions on how we are to do that, where we are to get our strength. 
The problem that we have, as I unpack this further, though, is that we look so often for strength from within ourselves. We look to improve our strength. We think, if I can execute this strategy or that strategy, that we will be able to accomplish something. Too often we think, I can carry the burden on my own. And if we can carry it on our own, if we don't need help, if we don't need one another, or we don't need ultimately the Lord, then we must be strong. The world tries and tempts us and tells us over and over again to show no sign of weakness. This is why we so rarely share transparently from the heart of who we are. Think about what happens in the world when we share our weakness. When we're honest. When we tell that friend, hey, I'm struggling. I need help. And why are we so unwilling to do that? Because ultimately when we confess that we need help, when we confess our weakness, when we share that weakness, it tells the world and anyone that might know it that we don't have it all together. We might find ourselves left out. But the reality is we're not supposed to find our strength from within. This is why Paul said in chapter, in verse, or chapter 3, verse 16, that we would be strengthened with power through his spirit, through Jesus' spirit. That's where we are to find our strength. That's where we're supposed to lean. And look what he says here from what Pastor Kyle read for us in chapter 6, where we close out this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He doesn't say to us to just be strong. I've told you what to do, church. Now, because I've told you what to do, just go and do it because I know you can do it. Now that you've heard the instruction, surely you'll be able to execute upon that. So that's what good coaches, they call the play, they've practiced the play, they've done all the work to prepare and all the things and the team is ready and then they call the play and they say, I've given you the instruction, now go do it. The problem is, it works great on the practice field, but when you get into the battle, when you're facing the opponent, the enemy coming against you, there's things that come at you that you don't have control over. And guess what? Very often, running on first down over and over and over and over again, every time being predictable will usually lead to first and ten again, or second and ten. We know that we can't do that, but Paul doesn't just say to us, just go do it. I've given you the play. Execute the play. No, he says, you're going to need something else. You're going to need the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. He prayed that we would be strengthened by his power in the Lord. And that begins by acknowledging that we have weakness, that we are weak. See, we fail to acknowledge our weakness, as I already alluded to, and trust in the strength of the Lord and rely on his strength because really our problem is that we fear man more than God. And what we must do is we have to realize that we need a strength that we don't possess. 
And the sooner we can understand that, the sooner we can take hold of that truth that we need a strength that does not come from within, that we need a strength that is outside of us, the better off we will be. We must realize that the battle we are fighting so often against other men and women is really a worthless one. It's futile. It accomplishes nothing. It does nothing for us. And really, it just is silly. Do you remember as a child, perhaps, or you've watched your children do this, and you might remember this. I remember my little ones, or they're not little any longer. My big ones were little ones. (laughs) They used to play cops and robbers, or take a pool noodle, or raw spaghetti, or a stick, or anything that looked anything like a sword and just start going at one another and turn it into sword fights. What would we do as parents in those moments? We would look at our children as long as the fighting didn't go too far. And we would think, oh, how sweet. They're playing together. Look, they're having fun. Look, they, look how creative they are. Someone gets smacked in the face and tears start to flow and that all falls apart. But before then, we're sort of in a, in a moment there. For a brief moment, we enjoy it. And it's, the reality is it's because it's a fight of no consequence. Now consider what it feels like for our real warriors who are in a part of the world even today fighting battles with bullets flying past their heads. Do you notice the contrast in those two battles? The spiritual battle, spiritually speaking, we're sitting here so often fighting one another, playing cops and robbers, having a sword fight against one another that is of no consequence when there is a real battle, a real war being waged. And it's against us. And when we realize that and we say, I'm going to lay down my arms against all of the other people that are in the battle with me, and I'm going to lean on Christ for my strength and recognize that there is a true war being waged, that is when, as Paul would say, we're going to begin to have strength, strength from Christ. So Paul has given us instruction, and he's told us how we are to live And now he shares with us that we must live empowered only by the strength of God. There is a real battle being fought. And it's a battle for our joy and a battle for the glory of God. Here's the good news, friends. If you're a Christian today, your soul is secure. The battle has already been won for you. There is no more war. There's no more bullets that can fly at your soul and remove you from the grip of Christ. And so, the enemy who we have, knowing that God has won the battle through the blood of his son Jesus, and that there is nothing that he can do about that to change that, What he does and what he tries to do over and over and over again is to convince us that in spite of what we know about Christ and know about eternity, he tries to change our perspective and get us to focus exclusively on this life and how we can win today to live for ourselves. And that's why we stop or we begin to turn away from recognizing the battle is won, I am free, and we turn our aim and our sights on one another and figure out how can we take one another out so that I can win because I want to win the day. C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book 
called The Screwtape Letters, and if you've read it, you'll be familiar with this theme, but it's a book that it supposes, in a sense, there's one demon who is speaking, he's an older demon, and he's writing to a younger demon of the enemy, and he's instructing him on how to wreak havoc and to lead men away from God. And he says in one of the quotes from this book, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it is finding its place in him. The world, when we look to try and win this life, win this world, we think that we're probably figuring all the things out, that we're winning the day, when in reality those lies are creeping into our hearts and we're, being, we're, we're losing sight, we're losing perspective. And how do we prosper? How do we win this life? Most often by putting others down. Not just putting others down in the word sense, but just anything that we can do to win. We need to be reminded that our fellow man is not our enemy. That our battle is against spiritual powers of darkness. This is what Paul says. Again, back to Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Don't look from within. You won't find it there. You don't have that. Only Christ has that power. But put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We need God. We need His armor. Armor that we don't, again, have on our own, but is only given to us by Him. And we have to have that in order to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic power over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul reminds us that we do have a real enemy. There is a real enemy. And the enemy is a cosmic power. A cosmic power that rules over this world. It says here that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's not one another. But against the rulers and authorities. And where are they? In the heavenly places. Now, obviously, there is a differentiator here because where Christ reigns, Christ rules. He has all authority. And for the Christian who is joined to Christ, who has union with Christ, we ultimately, when our lives on this earth end, we are with him to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. But there are these rulers and authorities that in God's sovereignty, according to his perfect plan, have reign over this life, this world. And they're cosmic powers. They're powers that we don't see but we see their effects. We see the distractions. We see all of the pain and suffering that they cause. And for Christians, we are called to live a life in our weakness, strengthened by Christ, that speaks to the fact that those powers do not rule, don't have the authority that so many of our friends and our loved ones have fallen prey to. Again, all of the world is at war with one another. I'm not just speaking about national, global war, but just the interpersonal level of things. 
battling one another. And for Christians, we are called to be a body. And Paul has called us to live in such a way that demonstrates a unity and a reverence and that we are underneath a power that is greater than all of that. The power of God himself. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. One of the things that we need to remember and realize is that it's what we see presently that's not forever. This reminds us that we need to have a perspective, a supernatural perspective. Not just a perspective that sees this world as ultimate, but a perspective that shows and illustrates the power of God. We need to look higher. Our challenge, the reason, because of our fear of man, because of our unwillingness to acknowledge our weakness and our need for Christ and the power of Christ, we so often turn away And we allow our gaze to be downward and to be focused exclusively on what we can see in front of us. How often are we aware of what's really going on in the world? There are true battles being waged. Usually it takes, if we're honest, some Serious illness, and I know that we're in the midst of a pandemic or at least some phase of that. I don't know what phase we're in, but wherever we're at, we're, we're dealing with this where we see sickness and we've been praying for healing and restoration. But prior to that, there's been diagnosis of cancer and so many other sicknesses that devastate us, death that happens to our family members and loved ones and friends. And we see that, and when we come face to face with those realities, we kind of briefly, very briefly, lift our heads enough to remember, oh, there's something bigger than me. There's something more powerful than I am and then that season passes and it drifts away and our attention and our gaze returns downward and all we are thinking about is plodding along figuring out how can I win this day how can I get what I believe I deserve or want or need and our perspective needs to be lifted we need to see that there is a true battle being waged And there is one victor in that battle. And his name is Jesus. And for those of us who are in Christ, who have been redeemed by his blood, we know the end and we have the victory. Colossians 2 verse 15 says this, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them. By triumphing over them. Jesus has disarmed all of those rulers, all of those authorities, all of the evil that exists in this world. Those cosmic warriors, they've been put to open shame when Jesus had victory over them on the cross. 
He put them to open shame. And for those of us that find our strength in him, we too will have victory. And our responsibility, the reason Paul gives this letter to the church, is that we are to live in such a way that we might uh, have a witness that testifies to that victory. So back to the small battles that we wage on this world in this life. Imagine if we were to just let those go, if we were to lay those down, if we were to take the Christmas paper wrapper and set down. I'm not going to fight you anymore. I know the victory that I have in Christ. And because of that victory, I don't have to win this battle because the ultimate battle has been won for me. And so, brother or sister, I'm going to just tell you right now that I am weak. I have nothing to offer other than the hope of Christ, the joy of Christ, the future of Christ, the security of Christ. That's where I find my strength, not in accomplishment or what I can do here. And I would invite you, friend, to lay down your paper sword and say, you know what, I also am weak and I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of trying to figure it out on my own. I'm tired of trying to understand everything and be the victor in everything and not have any sign of weakness. And perhaps as we do that, we might see our friends and our loved ones turn and find their strength in Christ. He began this just little two verses. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy, of the devil. We can put on the armor of God. And as we do that, we can stand against the enemy that comes against us. But that requires that we realize who our true enemy is. And when we realize that there are no human efforts that can strengthen us or protect us. But we need his strength. And by God's grace, we have his, his strength. The world is hard. It will fail us. It will not go as we plan. But when we remember that there is a battle... And that battle has been won by Christ. We can stand firm in his strength. We can lean on him. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we need your help. We confess that to you this morning. Perhaps for many of us, for the first time in a long time, right in this moment, we might just acknowledge before you that we are weak, that we are helpless. I pray by the power of your spirit that we might all be enlightened, be, be um, given awareness of the real battle, battle of a cosmic level. that we have a real enemy that does come against us. And it's not our brother or our sister, our neighbor, 
our family member, or our friend. For those of us in Christ, our souls are secure, as we've said, but we are tempted to be led astray and to forget this and to lose perspective so that ultimately you would be robbed of glory, that the world would see us no differently than all of the rest of the world. So I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that we might be strengthened in you in such a way that we would remember the real battle that is going on and that we might live our lives with that awareness, with that attentiveness. And that because, out of that awareness that we might better reflect what you have done the victory that we already have in you. And I pray for anyone who does not know you as Lord and Savior, Jesus, who, as your word would describe, is far off from you, who might be gathered with us this morning or listening from afar. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just show them that, yes, we are weak, So often the battles we fight in this life are futile. But you might show them the strength of your might, the strength of your love. They might put their hope in you. They might lay down their paper sword. And they would just confess to you, Lord Jesus, yes, I need you. I need a strength that I don't possess. And I pray that your spirit would move on their hearts and would... Reveal yourself to them in a powerful way. I pray you'd give them the boldness to reach out to a friend and just say, hey, I just realized for the first time in my life that I am weak and helpless and I needed something that I did not possess and so I turned my life to Jesus. I pray they might reach out to someone within our church family so we might talk with them about how to live for Christ, And I pray that we would be a church, a family of God, that would live for Christ, that we would live for your glory. That our neighbors wouldn't have to wonder where we stand or who we live for. But it would be abundantly clear as we follow Paul's instructions to be husbands and wives, parents and children, that demonstrate this cosmic perspective a perspective that says this world is not what matters most we need your help Jesus in all these things accomplish what you intend to accomplish right now we pray in Jesus name amen